Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. I want to welcome you this week to our episode, and we are just a couple weeks out from the Winter College and Career Retreat, so I just want to give another plug for that real quick, February 10th through the 11th. Uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. We've got a great group that's already signed up, but there's still time to register uh, through February 3rd. Cost is $35, includes all the registration, uh, food, and uh, snacks and all of that. Uh, you can get all the information at cfcretreats.com, and I'd love to answer any questions you may have about that so you can reach out uh, through the website there. Uh, We're focusing in on knowing what we believe and why we believe it. That is the the focal point. That is our guidepost, if you will, for this upcoming year. And I believe it's vital, yes, that we know what we believe, but it's absolutely essential that we know why we believe it. Now, it's possible for you and I to accidentally know what we believe. Uh, Many times that's the easier part. Maybe you've been taught something. Maybe you were privileged to grow up in a Christian home. Maybe you went through Sunday school hearing the accounts and hearing the different teachings of the Bible, and that's good. And so you can be, you can know what you believe because it's been taught to you. Sometimes we can accidentally know what we believe because we've heard it, but taking it to the next step and knowing why you believe it. Not just what I believe, but why, and being able to give a reasonable answer, a reasonable uh, reason, if you will, for why you believe what you believe, because there's going to be critics, there's going to be doubts that come in, there's going to be people that are opposing what you're saying is even true. How do you know that the Bible is God's word? How do you know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ truly happened? It is not some type of mythological uh, story that has been passed down through the years. How do you know? that Jesus was God. We need to be able to articulate these things, yes, for other people, but first and foremost for ourselves. Because we understand Satan uses the tactic, if you will, of doubt. Now, we've talked in our previous episodes about what faith is. We've defined faith very simply as a two-word definition of ventured trust. We've used the airplane illustration to help us to see when we actually place faith in something when we can have a knowledge of something but not have faith in it, and then when we are actually uh, uh, having faith or possessing faith in it. We've talked about all that, and that venturing trust helps us to understand that. Last week, we looked at doubt and kind of defined what doubt is. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Uh, Doubt is not unbelief. Uh, Unbelief would be the opposite of faith, and you can only doubt what you believe. And so we want to talk on this episode, how do we handle those doubts? Because if you are a Christian for any amount of time, you are going to have doubts. Uh, I don't think there's any way around it. I don't know anybody who does not have doubts. For me to sit here and tell you I've never doubted that the Bible is God's word. I've never doubted the gospel uh, message. I've never doubted God's existence. I would be lying to you. There are times when doubts come in. One, just because they come straight from the enemy. And he's trying to tear down our faith. At other times, they come in just because of circumstances in our lives, trials that come into our life. And because of these circumstances and trials, it can produce 
doubt in our life. And so there is an account in Scripture, John the Baptist, uh, very interesting uh, how he, I mean, you think about John the Baptist, he was, he grew up with Jesus. Uh, He believed Jesus was the Messiah. He was the forerunner, and uh, he gives his life to that. But we find the circumstances in John's life kind of get toppled upside down. He finds himself in prison in Matthew chapter number 11. And as he finds himself there, obviously in that isolation, his mind is going crazy because he begins to doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. I'll read you just a couple verses, and then we'll talk about how we can handle doubt. It says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So what is John doing here? He's doubting that Jesus is the Messiah. He's doubting whether Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which means he's, in a sense, doubting his salvation. Have you ever doubted your salvation, that your salvation is eternally secure, that you have, in fact, called upon Jesus Christ? You see, he was doubting everything he gave his whole life to. He was doubting the message that he shared with others so passionately. He was doubting if God could even answer prayer because obviously John had prayed in that prison, God, please get me out. And he was praying in a good way. God, get me out so that I can go and preach your message, so that I can go and tell other people about you. You see, John's mind was consumed with doubt. Why was that? Because he found himself isolated and very lonely. And so when we find ourselves either intentionally or unintentionally in those places, doubt can creep in. Maybe you're not getting an answer to your prayer request. That's where uh, John found himself. Severe trials in life. All these things can create doubt. So what can we do to help us to handle the doubt that comes into our life? There's numerous things we could look at uh, through Scripture. We'll just look briefly here at how Jesus handled uh, John the Baptist's doubt and what his uh, recommendation or really his prescription to remove the doubt was. Now, we see that Jesus would say that John the Baptist, there's none greater than him on earth. So if you think about that, here's the greatest man in the eyes of Jesus. Now, we understand everybody's equal, but he said there's none greater uh, that's lived on this earth than John the Baptist. And so as he assesses John's life, his walk, his integrity, his character. That's how he evaluated him. But here he is doubting. So even the greatest doubted. So as you sit there and you think, man, uh, I don't know if other people doubt. Maybe it's just only me. Maybe I'm the only one struggling with doubt about God's existence, doubt about, you know, faith and doubt about answered prayer, doubt about, you know, if God is even able, God even cares, God even loves me. You are not alone. Don't even think for a moment that you are the only one that doubts. Satan would love for you to feel that way. But if we're going to remove the doubt in our lives, Jesus gives us a short little prescription here in the remainder of this passage. So Jesus answered in verse number four and said unto them, these messengers, go and show John again those things which you do here. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And so here Jesus gives us this prescription. Number one, I would say this, be willing to admit the doubt. 
You see, this is the the stereotype. This is where we get things a little mixed up. We think if we're doubting, then people are going to ridicule us. They're going to look down on us. Uh, they're going to think I'm less than a Christian. They're going to think I'm backsliding, that I'm, I'm long gone. So I cannot admit or communicate any type of doubt that I'm experiencing in my mind to anyone else. That is a dangerous lie that Satan feeds us. And unfortunately, there are people that will not allow you to share your doubts, or they would make you think that uh, because this they are or the place is maybe not a safe place to express doubts. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe you've tried to express your doubts and you've got something like this. Well, you just need to have more faith. You just need to trust God more. Bless God, the Bible says so. You just need to believe it. Now, while these things are true, I don't think that they are a prescription to help heal doubt. Because if we go to our parallel passage in the book of Luke, chapter 7, we see Luke adds just a little bit more information for us, which is very, very helpful here. It says in verse 20, when the, man, when the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And look what it says. And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. So what did Jesus do here? Well, Luke gives us more information, so they ask this question, and Jesus instantly just begins healing. So Jesus doesn't just say, well, to go back and tell John. He's, he, he, knows, uh, he knows what he's been taught. He needs to believe that. Bless God, just tell him to have more faith in God. Jesus does not do any of that. What Jesus does is he provides evidence right in front of their face, that John the Baptist needed. Jesus knew exactly what John needed to cure his doubt. For you, it may be more evidence. It may be more answers to your questions. And so Jesus uh, is willing to walk with us through that. And so first, be willing to admit your doubts. Secrecy is the enemy of victory. Whether that's sin or whether that's doubt, secrecy is the enemy of victory. And if you remain silent about it, it's going to fester, it's going to boil up. And the problem we see with so many college students is, is they're not getting answers to their doubts. And so they'll kind of just suppress it. But then another thing comes and another thing comes until it begins to boil over. And then it's like too much at one time because it's not been dealt with. And so I encourage you, find a safe place, a safe person to share and express your doubts. Someone that will, and if you are the listening party, don't look down on someone who's sharing their doubts because many times we think, oh, they're doubting their faith, they're gone. And if we allow them to doubt their faith and we don't just tell them, just trust God more, have more faith, then they're going to be gone. No, some of the greatest students that we've worked with came to a place where they were doubting their faith and needing very deep answers to big questions. And because we walked with them through that, we saw them grow tremendously. So many, so many times we look at doubt as a negative thing. But doubt can produce tremendous growth if it's dealt with. So be willing to admit the doubt. And then secondly, remember. It's interesting that Jesus said, go show John again. What was he saying? Go back and remember, John, as they go back and share this message with him. One, I want to give you some evidence right in front of these messengers so they can go back and know, John, this is what we saw. 
We know you can't physically see it, just like you and I cannot be there at the resurrection. We have to take it through uh, a third party, if you will, who's going to tell us the information. Granted, the information can be verified historically, archaeologically, uh, which gives us great uh, reason to believe it. But he said, go show John again what God has done. Look at what Jesus did. He did these things. Who else could do this but the Messiah? And so Jesus was jogging John's memory. So sometimes we just need to take time and reflect on all that God has done in the past. We need to reflect on what we do already know to be true and then to dig in and search uh, and try to find those answers. So remember what God has done. Remember what God is doing. If you can't see now, uh, if you can't see him working now, keep looking back. You'll eventually find where he's been working in your life. And remember what God has promised he will do. Ground yourself there and who God is, his character, and his promises as you struggle through the doubt. Because sometimes we'll come to a place and go, man, I don't know if I can just, I don't even know. And so what do we know? You know, when we come to a point of doubt, when we just don't really know, we have to go to a place where we do know. What little bit we do know, we need to rest there until we can walk through. Just because we're doubting doesn't mean we forsake everything we know. Like, that, that's not how we doubt. You see, I can still have a doubt about God's existence, but still believe all that I've been taught. Remember, when we exercise faith, we're venturing trust in something. And just because I doubt doesn't mean I'm losing my faith. I can still venture trust on that airplane, right? I'm riding on it. I venture trust. I set my faith in that airplane to get me from point A to point B. But, man, there's a lot of noise. And that thing is hitting a lot of turbulence. And I'm beginning to doubt its ability to get me to point B safely. I begin to doubt its mechanical uh, safety, its mechanical ability. Now, does that mean I'm still not venturing trust? No. So when we're doubting, we're not losing our faith. Now, doubt could lead to a point of unbelief, but doubt, just because we doubt one thing, doesn't mean we're doubting everything. And so that's why we need to ground ourselves on what we do know to be true until we can walk through those doubts, until we can get those answers. There are answers to every question that you have. And thankfully, in our uh, technology age, we have access to so much content and information. Do you struggle with, uh, you know, why evil is in the world? There's so much good information through books, blog posts, podcasts, and so forth that can help you with that. And so remember And then lastly, use your senses, because that's what he told John here. Go show John again that which you do hear and see. And so we don't believe based on uh, a blind leap of faith, as some atheists would say that's what faith is. No, you and I use our senses, and the Bible says that creation is the greatest revelation of God to mankind. It says that in Romans 1.20. And so you and I are not believing in God By a blind leap of faith, we're looking out through our eyes, through our nose, what we can smell, through our ears, what we can hear, what we can taste and touch. And we're going, okay, this is real objective truth in front of us. These things exist because I see them, feel them, touch them, smell them, and so forth. Now, why are they here? And we use our reasoning to say this is the most logical explanation for what we see. 
It lines up with what Scripture says, that God exists, that God created the heavens and the earth. So use your senses. He said, go back and tell them that which you hear and see. So there's actual historical evidence. There's something that you can say, this occurred, and this is why you should believe that I am the Messiah. The interesting thing about Christianity in comparison to the most other religions is Christianity is founded or rooted in a historical event. It is rooted in the fact of Jesus Christ living, being buried, and rising again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that is not a historical event that truly happened, then Paul even said, look, our our preaching's in vain. Everything we're doing is empty. But the amazing thing about Christianity is it's not just teachings, proverbial teachings, but it actually says, look, the message can be verified because there is something you can come and see. Here and see who is it? It's Jesus, that he lived on this earth. There is evidence that Jesus was a person on this earth from inside the Bible, but you know what? Also outside of the Bible. We can establish that Jesus was buried, was crucified and buried in a tomb. We can establish that through scripture, but also through numerous outside sources that are not even Christians, even cr- critics uh, verify that. And we can also verify that the tomb was empty, right? And so we understand the tombs emptied through Scripture and also outside of Scripture. But we understand through Scripture, Jesus says the disciples said he rose again. And then there's other people on the outside of the Bible that verify that message. What am I saying to you is when you have doubt, Christianity is rooted. It's not some mythological fairy tale off in the sky somewhere. Christianity is the truth. And because it's truth, it can be studied. It can be examined. It can be researched, and you can get the answers. And that's why Jesus said, come and uh, report back to him that which you do hear and see. And that's why he did all those miracles in front of him. You see, when it's dealt with head on, it leads to growth and strength. So what Satan may mean for negative, God can bring about for good. What Satan may mean to destroy your faith, you can actually turn it around and use it to grow your faith. Jeff Meyer said this, doubt can actually be a healthy part of a Christ-centered, thoughtful life. Now that sounds backwards, right, to maybe what you've been told or thought, that doubt is bad, it's dark, don't share it, don't talk about it, don't doubt. But doubt leads to a pursuit of truth when it's dealt with. But when it's left alone to fester and grow because we're remaining silent and we're scared to talk to anybody, we're scared to express it and find answers, then yes, it can be very destructive. What's the difference? The key is to expressing your doubt. Who did John the Baptist go to with his doubt? He went straight to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus gave the prescription for his doubt. He gave him evidence. He gave him a reason to believe. And so if you're experiencing doubt, look, find the answers Reach out to us, share the question that you may have. We don't have all the answers, but we have students come to us every week. I mean, this past week, we had numerous questions that were asked by a handful of students. What are they doing? They're pursuing truth and handling their doubt. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.